80, blue 80, set up. And I snap the ball, and there's just this horrific splash. It's time to join the stink tank. The analytics people that I hate, I hate your gut. They don't play football, they play quarterback. I'd be the easiest guy in the world to kidnap. Mark Schlereth. stinks! Every Tuesday with Wyman and Bob. <laughs> I love his... His take on analytics. It's did the did best. he say the easiest one to kidnap? He would be easy to kidnap. And why yeah. is that? We'll, we'll have him explain again, but he explained it before. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. The easy, easily kidnappable Mark Schlereth is with Let's us. Let's talk about him as if he weren't even here. That's okay. right. Yeah, all right. Mark, why, why, would you, you why would you be easy to kidnap again? Because if you just put a sign out with my last name on it, I'm following you. Oh, that's like, right, going. at the airport. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, at the airport. Van. Oh, I'll get in. This is weird. I've never picked up a white van van before, but it looks good to me. Your van with yeah. no windows. Yeah, get in. Yeah. Put a, just a slurry sign up, even if it's close. Some, just get you know, in. Yeah, just, even if it's spelled wrong, it's just close. I'll, I'll, I'll just follow you. you can't, where we're going. You can't expect them to spell your name right. No way. Right. Yeah. And the, the, the other thing about that is, like my wife always asks me where you're staying. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like what time? I don't know. I don't know anything. Like I, I just, I just blind faith. I don't ever look at my itinerary. I just go. Never check a weather report. Very trusting. I just, I just go. Very trusting yeah. man. You know, I, I'm the same. Way. I'm the same way on the road when I go uh, travel with the Seahawks. I know you travel in like higher style than me, but right. um, yeah, especially when it comes to the Seahawks. But yeah, I mean, there's been times where I've either forgot my my room number, I have to go to the front desk and say, what's my room number again? Just kind of yeah. go with the sign, the, the the flow, right? I mean, yeah, yeah it's easy. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, yes. blind faith. That's what it was all about. There you go. Hey, Mark, we were just uh, in, in the snapshot there. I don't know if you heard it, but the the commanders, they, they hired Cliff Kingsbury and Dan Quinn. Not, not the warmest comments about the enemy saying we won't work together here and i just you know i wish him the best what, what do you think the issue is with the enemy i know a lot of, a lot of people just love to fall on race i don't buy any of that i think the the most important color to owners is green and if somebody can yeah. win that's what they care about he's i mean he's had opportunities but we've heard him we've heard about players having issues with how he treats them and i, I was playing a cut earlier off the air from um LaShawn McCoy saying, see, that's why he doesn't get jobs, about how he treats people and talks to people. Is that his reputation, uh, I, that he, that he's kind of a hard-ass, or what, what's the problem, do you think? Well, I mean, I think I think that's the way he was brought up. It was like the way Dave and I were brought up in the game. And, um, you know, I mean, players are soft, so a lot of them can't handle it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he's not going to apologize for it. And I think he develop, I think he's great at developing relationships. I think he's – I think he's a good coach, man. I love being him. I love that I've sat down with him four times. I think four times this year did four Washington games, and he was he was incredible. I think the issue the issue is is that you know is Sam Howell is not Patrick Mahomes, um, and you know the the, it, the a guy that grew up kind of in and playing in the West Coast offense has morphed into kind of a almost a college play caller, and. You know, I understand that in Washington, your wide receiving core is probably the best part of your team, the best aspect of your team. But you can't let your quarterback get sixty-five uh, sacked sixty-five times. Um, you know, sometimes you know one of the trains of thought with veteran quarterbacks. And I've talked to Ben Roethlisberger about this. I've talked to guys about this. A lot of veteran quarterbacks want to you know, want to play in spread. You know, two by two, three by one formations um, away from line of scrimmage. So open three by one formations. So that everybody is spread out, and then they get to pick where they want to roll the protection to, how they want to slide the protection, and then they get to see 
you know, potentially who's coming, who's not coming. Well, it's, it's not always easy for younger quarterbacks to just kind of designate who they want to go to and, and understand what the defense is. So I'm a big proponent of saying, hey, man, let's condense the formation. Let's get as many fat people on the football field as possible. They don't run as fast. They're not as dynamic athletes. And let's slow this thing down a little bit. And it just wasn't something that they did very effectively in Washington. And they just chose oftentimes not to run the football. And it, things like that, I mean, like I said, Sam Howell, you just you got the snot beat out of Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell's a talented young quarterback. But I think if you look at the offensive tape and look at what they were doing from a schematic standpoint, I don't think you gave him a great chance to win. And then, you know, ultimately for anybody who's thinking about hiring him as an offensive coordinator, you have to look at who's my quarterback. If he's a young guy, do I really want that guy calling plays? And, you know, and, and essentially in my mind, you know, hindering the development of that particular player. So I, I think there's, I think there's some real football um, kind of football things that you have to look at and you have to dig a little bit deeper into. Hey, Mark, last week we talked to uh, Gary Kubiak, and then, you know, he's got a couple of sons that are involved in, in coaching, yeah. and we had some topic earlier, something about Nepo children <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be – apparently it's Nepo. I don't give a crap. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's – It's like, you know what, Dave, it's like people who say niche instead of niche. Yeah. Don't you just want to punch them in the face yes. when they say niche? Yes, exactly. I just want to punt, <laughs> haul off and slug them right in the face. Yeah. Choose, just choose violence. It's there like, we go. I, I feel like there's certain things you should be able to choose violence on, and niche is one of those things for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and sometimes just out of disrespect, I, I mispronounce it purposely. Just yeah. to, uh, yeah. you know, you guys buy that one, right? He says he does oh, yeah. that. He says he says he does. Um, anyway, yeah, I was, you know, you look at some of these uh, these kids that, you know, the sons that are uh, becoming coaches and things like, you know, like Shanahan and, and everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a natural sort of process, and I kind of like it. Like, you go into the, the family business. I know John Schneider has got a son who's at uh, Boise State going to school, and he's helping out with the, the program and recruiting and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's just a, a natural, I don't know, people think that there's some kind of nepotism going on there. And, nepotism, Nepotism, you, as I would call it. <laughs> um, yes. But but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's the family business, right? Yeah, and, and those kids, I mean, they, those kids grow up, go, uh, grow up around it. And, you know, there's a certain level of osmosis. But, you know, the, the, the thing about, like, the Kubiak kids or, or, you know, or Kyle Shanahan, like, Mike made him go coach away from him. Like, hey, man, you got to go cut your teeth. You know, and he started off in Tampa Bay on John Gruden's staff, you know, and, and Kyle did, and really – really worked his way up from kind of a, a quality control guy to a wide receiver coach to, you know, he bounced around. And um, and that was, you know, he was in it for a long time being an offensive coordinator before he went back to Washington to work with his father in 2013 so or 2012, I guess. So, you know, Kyle and, and the Kubiak boys are, are, you have done a lot of the same stuff. So um, I know Clint, I think, is, is going to be the offensive coordinator in in New Orleans now. Um, I believe after this, after this Super Bowl is over, he's, uh, he's, you know, agreed to terms over there. So, yeah, I, I mean, a, a lot of those guys, and those guys for me are always fun to talk to, you know, because you know, their history, you know, how they grew up and you can see that kind of the maturation process and, and how they look at offense and how they are, 
how the, how they become play callers and the fact that they can lean on their fathers and and um, you know and, and just talk and hash out problems. And I think that's one of the big things. Like talking to Kyle, and one of the things that Mike was a big proponent of was, hey, listen, as a head coach, you lose sometimes lose a little bit of the connectivity, but you got to coach your coaches, and you got to coach your coaches in front of your football team. Um, and make sure that, you know, that we're all on the same page. And, you know, there's just a process there that um, who better to learn from than a guy, a guy like Kubiak or a guy like Shanahan that's had a ton of success doing it themselves. I think last we spoke with you, Mark, they the Seahawks hadn't hired Mike McDonald yet, had they? No, they hadn't. Okay, so what What do you – I know we touched on him. We, we talked to you about a bunch of the candidates at that point. Uh, and then Ben Johnson took his name out of the mix and, and all of that, and they go with McDonald, which most, I would say, 99% of the fan base is very excited about this move. What's, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, my reaction first and foremost was anybody named Mike can be extended to Michael – and then you have Michael McDonald. Come on, sweet freedom. Shine <laughs> that on me. You, you know, sound so just like time, him. <laughs> yeah, every time, like every time Michael McDonald speaks, you guys ought to have a, uh, you know, or Mike McDonald speaks, you ought to have the Michael McDonald soundtrack underneath <laughs> it. You know, whether it was solo or with the doobies, like that would be awesome to me. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I've never met him. This, I don't know. This him. is why so, we get but, you on, buddy. This yeah. is the good stuff this right is here. The good you stuff. know what? I'm a forward thinker. I'm a forward thinker. I'm helping you guys out. So I don't, I don't know Mike McDonald, but I know one thing. You put on the Baltimore tape, and those dudes are, those dudes are dialed in and complex and tied together. And I think that's one of the one of the big things. He does a phenomenal job in the couple of games I broke down and and really looked at them. A phenomenal job of getting free rushers. Like, you know, having a real knack and a real understanding of protection offensively and being able to attack that protection away from slides or at backs and and understanding where the offensive line has to go to or is predicated to go to based upon the defensive front they give you. And then they roll and and bring the opposite sides. And they do a great job with that stuff. So they create um, a lot of issues. They create a lot of pressures. And then when you look at Seattle's defense, um, you know, I just I think their back end is has got the you know has got a lot of potential to be very dynamic, very good in the blitz game. Um, a linebacker, you, you know, I mean, one thing Baltimore had was unbelievable speed at the middle linebacker position with both Queen and Roquan Smith. I don't know that you have that necessarily in Seattle. Maybe you do, um, but I, I would say not quite like them. So they can do some things, walk up and and make you go man, and then bring edge pressure and still get to their drops and things of that nature. But um, very dynamic in the way he calls a game, very dynamic in the way he gets pressure um, and gets a ton of pressure while playing zone behind it. So simulated pressure, four-man rush, but it looks like blitz. He does a he does a phenomenal job with that. I thought Baltimore was as good as anybody I've seen do that. Yeah, so uh, let me ask you about Penix. Kind of a uh, you know a little bit of a change there, Mark. But I mean, I, I feel like he was maybe a first rounder, top of the the first round, and then people are starting to sort of sour on him a little bit, being at best the bottom third of the first round. I mean, him and him and Bo Nix both. But I feel like every year this happens, Mark. You know, you got these guys that put up the big numbers, but the NFL likes somebody else that's you know maybe not as big of a name. But from what you've seen from from Penix, is that kind of surprising to you? Uh, it wasn't simply. I, I haven't watched a lot, but I watched that national championship game, and 
that that game scared me a little bit. Uh, mechanically scared me. His his arm. I mean, he almost looked a little Philip Rivers ish, uh, throwing the football to me, which always which always scares me a little bit. You know, there was a there was a couple of times where he threw a ball, and I thought to myself, "Are you sure you're left handed?" So that was like <laughs> there was a few of those that I was like, Ugh. and then he's got the injury history with you know torn both of his ACLs and things of that nature. So that's always going to make NFL teams sour on you. You know, that's always going to make them go, hey, if we can get him, you know, with a lower, put a lower grade on him, and then if he falls to us, we'll take him. But, um, yeah, mechanically just scared me a little bit. And I know they've talked about him being dialed in and him, and maybe that was just one game. I mean, I'm always, you know, on Saturdays, I'm always prepping a game and I'm, I'm traveling to talk to teams. And so it's not like I watch a ton of college football, but I watch that game in its entirety. And it spooked me a little bit. And I, I also think that, you know, not competing in the Senior Bowl would scoop, would would spook a few people off as well. Yeah. Now, some, some maybe not. But, you know, that whole competition thing becomes, especially when you're not, hey, listen, if you're the, if you're the number one overall or you're considered the one or two, and like competing in those things does nothing but potentially hurt you and hurt your stock. But when you're considered a late first, maybe early second rounder, you got to go out and compete and show people that, hey, man, that's you know you're all about the competition. And I just know how NFL teams and, and executives think it, it scares them off a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that, Mark. I was talking earlier about Bijan Robinson last year, where I think he had, I think it was two days after the combine, he had his senior day, and he was like, "I'm doing it all." And so, to me, if I'm if I'm a, an NFL guy and I'm looking at these guys, those are the guys I want. I want the guys that are doing. I thought I also thought it was a big mistake skipping the game. And you know, isn't that isn't that kind of what the NFL? I mean, that's going to reward some guys that are all in for everything, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really when you talk to personnel guys and scouts. I mean they they want to see they want to see you compete against other guys that they really are high on. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things to me is sitting around watching the one on one drills. Um, and I look at the, like the one-on-one drills and I'm like, I created my own advanced analytic. I don't know if you guys knew about that. Did I tell you about my advanced analytic? No, no. You, you've only told <laughs> no. us that you hate analytics, people's guts. That's it. Right. But I've created my own advanced analytics. Oh. Uh, and so I was watching, I was watching the one-on-ones at the senior bowl and I dig that stuff, right? That is like, that is great competition at its best. D lineman versus O lineman. And I created what we call the Boo scale, B O O scale, which is balls over opponent. Like if your balls are bigger than your opponent's balls, you got a chance to be really good. And there's a few guys that were just ragdolling dudes. And I was like, that's a great boo rating right there. So <laughs> lock that down, write it in, right? Balls over opponents. Okay, we, we got it. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Dave's getting Thank uncomfortable. Uh, the boo rating. I love it. Boo I love rating. Well, yeah. let, let's, yeah. let's move Let's move on to the Super Bowl match. That Mark? Boo rating. Wait a minute. What is that guy's boo rating? Where's the scale? Boom, uh, let's call stink. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dave's just looking around like, okay, next next hey, subject. If longer Snyder, he'll probably want to use it to combine. I'll call him. I'll let him know. Yeah, let him know. Yeah. You, you, you got the bad phone. You got the bad yeah. phone. Exactly. Hey, uh, since since the uh, Super Bowl will have taken place when we next speak, what what are your feelings going into this? I I'd picked, we had a little office pool thing here, and I think Dave and I both picked the 49ers at the beginning of this whole thing, but 
I'm kind of feeling like maybe the Chiefs are going to get it. I don't. I don't know. Are you torn, or do you are you do you have a pretty emphatic opinion on this one? Well, I, I'm torn. I'm like I, I I did the same thing. I picked the 49ers, but coming into this thing, like the Chiefs collectively have played probably back to back their two best games of the season against two great opponents in in Buffalo and and in the Ravens, and then uh, honestly, San Francisco probably played their two worst games of the season coming into into the Super Bowl matchup. I mean, defensively, they have been so dominant up on their defensive line, their rotation of eight different guys. I thought they'd gotten pushed around. Um, you know, and whether it was Green Bay or whether it was Detroit, they not only ran it up the middle, but they captured the perimeter of the defense. They sealed guys in. They didn't do a great job of replacing, like when guys got cracked on the defensive end, their safeties and their corners didn't come up and, you know, force the issue and turn it back down inside to pursuit and just a lot of fundamental things that you look at and you go, what, like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then the other thing is they've had injuries on the back end and there's a couple of liabilities back there. But, you know, when you get into a zebra package or three wides package, um, when Ambry Thomas comes in, he's a target. I mean, teams just go after him. And, you know, I mean, Andy Reid's a great coach. I, like I, I want, Hey man, I'm, you know, I'm all I'm on Team Shanahan. Like I, I want the 49ers to win this thing, but I honestly, if if you if I had to bet a bet an amount of money that mattered to me, um, I I'd bet on Kansas City. Hmm. Hey, um, I think that you you ran across um, Lisa McCaffrey at one point, right? Ed's wife. Oh and, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you saw the thing about her, and you know, calling um, Christian money bags, which to me is like her sense of humor. She's she's really uh, funny, and she, I just remember she, her and Ed were like a comedy team kind of because she would yeah. just rip him constantly, and he was kind of uh-huh. the straight man, kind of like me on the show here. Um, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, as far as the suite goes, eight hundred thousand to two million i just don't think there's your expectations would be so high that that would be ridiculous what would would i mean would you even come close to spending that much money i guess the answer is fairly obvious but i I just feel like no matter what number one i think lisa mccaffrey was being a a smart ass that's just her sense of humor but secondly i just don't i think the expectations would be way too high yeah i mean the, the amount of money that uh it's just ridiculous when they started talking about suites and how much the suite prices were. And, you know, if you're in the front row versus, um, I don't know, like, like watching it at the stadium is horrendous compared to watching it on TV. I mean, you I mean, I get that. I get that there's the atmosphere there. And I did go to the last one, the matchup between uh, San Francisco and the Kansas city chiefs a couple of years ago. And I went because Fox asked me to go with a bunch of clients but I was sitting in like, I mean, I was sitting like on the 45 yard line, about seven rows up and it was all Kansas city chiefs fans. I mean, surrounded. And they had that 10 point lead with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And as you guys can imagine, I had a couple 30 year olds crying. I mean, I was killing dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I, killing. I mean, it was like, you know me, you know my philosophy. Uh, I'm a good loser, but I'm an absolute, you know what, when it comes to winning. And I literally had grown men in tears, like just killing them. What were they going to do? Beat me up? No, they're not beating me up. So, um, and then you should have seen the tide turn when they hit that wasp play to, 
to uh, Tyreek Hill. And next thing you know, it's a landslide. <laughs> and all these 30-year-old guys wiped tears out of their eyes, and they were just coming at me with vitriol. It was awesome. I loved every <laughs> it was second awesome. of it. <laughs> and, and, you know, we ended up becoming, and we you know, walked out arm in arm like, hey, what a great game. It was fun, but it was the community aspect of it. I had, I can understand why people get addicted to going. It was, it was, it's the first game. It's the first Super Bowl I went to uh, where, you know, I wasn't dispensing justice and winning. So um, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. By the way, uh, you guys are talking to Super Bowl royalty. You know, two, two polls came out this week. One, I was on the all Super Bowl team of, mm-hmm. you know, all 50. So I was on, I was a backup, but that's okay. I'll take a backup in the all hey, Super Bowl good team. For you. And then I was on three Super Bowl winners of the top 19 and the number one team overall in Super Bowl history rated. I think it was an ESPN poll, but it was uh, yeah. my Washington team in 91. So three top 19 Super Bowl championship teams. I got to be. I'm the only person in history. It's, uh, I, I just. I never. I didn't look it up because I was going to waste the time to look it up. But I got to believe that that's true. So, uh, Super Bowl royalty is what you're talking to. <laughs> How did you know? Uh, who, who looked it up for you if you didn't look it up? I just made. I mean, I. I He's I just assuming. Assumed. I mean, there's, there's nobody else that could have the records that I have. Uh, I wouldn't think. Uh, the guy would be superhuman if he did. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So, God, I love it. Oh, by the way, too, on top of that, wait a minute. I'm the only person in NFL history to win a Super Bowl on his birthday where the Super Bowl age corresponded with his birthday age. No way. I won Super Bowl 32 on my 32nd birthday. He's a Super Bowl freak of nature. That is, is what he is, this Mark Schlereth guy. And before before I let you go, the 253 said, thank you, Mark. I'm using the new rating system at work from now on, or at least until I get fired. <laughs> right. it's, a good, it's a good rating system. I mean, I didn't, you could just, and it's one of those things that you don't have to quantify with numbers. You can just say, that dude's got huge cojones. <laughs> yeah. Mark, yeah. as always, we appreciate you, my friend. Thanks so much, and we'll uh, we'll recap the Super Bowl next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Thanks, buddy. There you go. Mark Schlereth with us each and every week and uh, just a conversation you never want to miss. And if you tuned in the middle of that, it will be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, have the Mariners done enough in the offseason to close the gap? We're going to get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Thanks to Mark Schlereth, as always, for joining us in the previous segment. In case you guys missed that conversation, it's on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Just click the podcast tab. Click on our picture, and it's right there waiting for you. Click subscribe. That's the easiest way to do it all. You'll never have to consider it again. Right, Dave? That's exactly right. Just push it. Just push it. Push Push. the button. (laughs) Just push. Uh, All right. Well, Mark always leaving a a tough act to follow. How do you... you, (laughs) Turn away his new rating system, his torturing uh, grown men to tears in the stands at a Super Bowl. I love that he gets such a kick out of that. Yeah. What, what are they going to beat me up? No, they're not beating me up. So I made him cry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Such uh, a bully. Two, five, three, real quick. I don't want to, I'm tired of texting. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying, you know, look, it, it's, you got to be all in in the NFL. And I think you definitely get an advantage. I, I think it was a mistake for Penix to not play. 
in the game. In the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and whoever it was, making an argument, which is fine, said all in for an exhibition game. The dude played through broken ribs. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that that's true. But I, ju- I still think if if you're like, look, I love football. Any chance I get to, to play football and you're, you're kind of going through it with your heart instead of your mind, you know, that's what inspires people. Sounds like he was deferring to his, his team, right? The people around him, I guess maybe his agent saying, uh, yeah, I'm sure. For whatever their, their rationale is, I guess if you're going to put your future in their hands, you're going to trust yeah. their judgment. But I mean, look, there is an amount of that that gets measured of like, how much does he love the game? You have to love the game so much so that it, you feel like a little kid who's grounded in your yard. Well, that was me. I would get grounded in the yard one time because I threw a rock and hit a kid right in the head. Mm-hmm. It was a really good mm-hmm. shot. It was like about 40 yards away. Dave's proud of it his really was. You've been proud also, of your accuracy since you were a kid. Bob, also, it was a flat rock, so I oh. curved it in. I yeah. thought you were going to say you skimmed it across the cement like you do <laughs> off of water. <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you have to have that feeling like... Like, you know, you, you, you're disappointed. Like, like I said, you're, you're grounded and everybody's out having fun. I mean, to me, that needs, needs to be your attitude about, about playing in the NFL, especially. So, yeah, I mean, I I just think that that's, that's one perspective. If you want to think about it with your mind, yeah, does it make sense for him to play and possibly get hurt? Probably not. But I think that that shows the NFL a lot. If you, if you show them how much you love the game. Did you say, if you want to think about it with your mind? I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing here? Where are? What's who am next? I? <laughs> who am I? Uh, well, I, I don't know, Bob. Jesus. <laughs> uh, what do we got next? So we're talking Mariners. Uh, looking at this, uh, looking at what they've done to, to fill in the gaps, if you will, and, and close the gap. More importantly, between them and the Rangers and the Astros. I guess the question is if you feel like they have closed that gap. Do we, do I think they're better than those teams? No, I don't. Now, injuries, as much as they're a concern for the Mariners, that's true of any team. If they any team suffers key injuries, that's going to alter the outcome of their season in a big way very often. So we'll see how things go for those two teams. But on the surface, if you're just looking at they're 100% healthy, Mariners are 100% healthy, is that gap closed? No, it's 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 closed a bit. I would say I think the Mariners are a better team going into this season than they were last year or two years ago. I would say, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I also think that you could go back to the Frazier Winker signing, and you know, I mean, at that time we thought, yeah, I mean, if these guys play up to their to their potential. We got a couple of good picks here, but. Now it just seems like there's not as many people complaining. I know that. And I feel like they've done a pretty decent job of, you know, trading away some guys, you know, like, um, you know, uh, some of their bullpen guys. Topa, Mm -hmm. you don't really, I mean, yeah, you miss him, but I feel like they can develop a guy like that. Yeah. And that they already have a pretty full bullpen. So, you know, and then the other thing is that they're not having to trade away their starting rotation. Because I think that's the one thing that was going to piss off most Mariner fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's not be active in free agency. We'll wait until we have to trade away one of our, our you know, yeah. prized possessions. Oh, I was ready to rage there, Dave. Yeah. I was ready for that moment. Uh, but we they, the trade before this, before they picked up the bullpen arm that they just did, they, they traded for Jorge Polanco. And... It's, it's interesting because I think most people felt pretty good about that. Like, all right, I like this guy. He's been productive. You can see what he's done when he's healthy. Another guy with the injury concerns. Totally get that 
skepticism attached to that part of it. But one healthy, pretty productive player eliminates that need for one of your four potential platoon spots on this team at second base. And uh, I say you this thing from Schoenfeld, and I think your response was, was he in a bad mood that day or something along those lines? Because he graded the trade. He gave the Twins an A-. minus. He gave the Mariners a C for this trade. So in this, the Mariners get Polanco. Uh, they send over Anthony DiScalfani, Justin Topa, and then minor leaguers uh, Gabriel Gonzalez and right-handed pitcher Darren Brown. Or Bowen, excuse me. Um, so he just quickly, he wrote, averaging a four uh, war per 150 games since 2019. He, his slash line, 255, 335, 454, and 23. Played in just 80 games due to ankle, knee, and hamstring injuries. Switch hitter produces below average exit velocity metrics and above average barrel and walk rate. So it's a solid offensive profile. Also missed final 37 games of 22 with a knee injury. He has seen a strikeout rate rise from 18.3% in 21 when he hit 33 home runs to 25.7% in 23. Uh, came up as a shortstop where he had below average range, moved to second base the past two seasons where he still exhibited below average range. And it's possible the Mariners slide him over to third, but the uh, trio is interchangeable as Rojas and Urias can handle both positions as well. Uh, three guys for two spots, which at least gives the Mariners depth is what he said. So, Kind of gave you a little good. Oh, he he, he did this in in twenty one. Did this, you know. But then the strikeout rate has gone up. He doesn't have good range at second or shortstop, and uh, so he gives the Mariners a C on that one, which I thought was a little seemed a little rough, but all yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, he looked at it differently than anybody else I'd seen analyze the trade. Um, and, that you know, the one thing that kind of flies in the face, he's right to point out, I mean, the, the Mariners have been trying to cut down on the swing and miss, right? I mean, they're trying to get rid of those kinds of guys. And unfortunately, from 21 to 23, it went up eight, from 18.3 to 25.7. Yeah. So, but, you know, and he did hit 33 home runs when he was at 18, so... I don't know if that's uh, going to sacrifice that number for him or not, but I don't know. It just came up to me as not being like a – you didn't lose a whole bunch. You didn't give up. I mean, Topa, yes, he's very good, but, I mean, most people are going to – it's not like, you know, you traded away Seawold. Right. Or, you know, Matt Brash or Terenz or anybody like that. But, um, yeah, so to me, I don't, I, don't, I don't see it as that big of a deal. I don't think it's a, it's a big problem and a huge downside. I don't, I'm not saying it's like a blockbuster, but this guy had, uh, had the whole thing really sideways, I thought. Yeah. A uh, quick thought from Jason Benetti, who was on with, the, with uh, Brock and Saul, giving his thoughts on Polanco. Jorge Polanco is one of those guys that when he makes contact, I have like five missiles in my mind to the pull side that got out of the ballpark within, I don't know, a second off a White Sox pitcher over the past bunch of years. I've always really liked him. And, uh, you know, the contact rate isn't always what you'd want it to be. But as a switch hitter and as a guy who has more pull side power than you would expect, I think he's a really nice piece. All right, so he likes him, and I hope the White Sox pitcher he was talking about wasn't Gregory Santos because he's now with the Mariners. But, uh, yeah, they're on the same team, so I guess you don't have to worry about it now. But, yeah, it's he was much more positive about the move there. And I, I think the potential's there. The problem is, you know, as Schoenfeld listed, he had knee, ankle, hamstring injuries. It's like, okay, let's let's hope it was just a run of bad luck. 
and it's not a chronic thing or somebody who's... And uh, the knee I worry about, but the ankle and hamstring, I yeah. don't at all. I mean, people pull their hammies all the time. It's treatment. Maybe you're down for a few days. Ankle, greatest thing ever to hurt. I mean, all you do is get the swelling out. I mean, if it's your knee, though, that's a huge deal. So I don't worry about those other ones so much. All right, coming up, uh, we must have gotten smarter today. Time to find out what we learned. Coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. This is a house of learned doctors. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What did we learn today? No one's a bigger idiot than me. It's the easiest way out. What did you say on the show sheet here? We we must have gotten smarter today. We simply must have. Must have. We must have. What did we learn today, Matt? One of the first things we learned today was why Mark Schlereth is so easy to kidnap. The easily kidnappable Mark Schlereth is with Let's us. Let's talk about him as if he weren't even here. That's okay. right. Yeah. All right. Mark, why why would you, you why would you be easy to kidnap again? Because if you just put a sign out with my last name on it, I'm following you. Oh, it's that's like, right, going. at the airport. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, at the airport. Oh, I'll get in. This is weird. I've never picked up a white van van before, but it looks good to me. Your van with yeah. no windows. Yeah, get in. Yeah. Put <laughs> just a slurry sign up, even if it's close. Some, just get you know, in. Yeah, just even if it's spelled wrong, it's just close. I'll, I'll, I'll just follow you. <laughs> that is funny. If somebody wanted to get kidnap Mark Schler, just hold up a sign. That's all it's going to take. There's no planning here whatsoever. Just a sign. <laughs> well, it's funny how he kind of goes through the same thing. I mean, when your travel's all prearranged and everything, yeah. um, you tend to not. I mean, if I'm traveling, I'm the one who does everything. I, I get the, you know, the confirmation code and get the bags checked and do the whole thing. But I like that when you just get on the the charter or whatever and then you just get on the bus and then you just go on the elevator must be they nice they hand you a, yeah it's really nice I wish I knew what that was like I'm totally spoiled like if I could go on every vacation like that I'd be on vacation all the time <laughs> I would imagine you would I hate going through the airport hate it like the rest of us common unwashed going through yeah. the airport jeez man spoiled it is must be nice totally spoiled must be nice we also learned that uh, Mark Schlereth does not like proper grammar and will always choose violence. We had some topic earlier, something about Nepo children <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be. Apparently, it's Nepo. I don't give a crap. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's like, you know what, Dave? It's like people who say niche instead of niche. Yeah. Don't you just want to punch them in the face yes. when they say niche? Yes, exactly. I just want to punt, haul off and slug them right in the face. Yeah. Choose, just choose violence. There I, we go. I, I feel like there's certain things you should be able to choose violence on, and niche is one of those things for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and sometimes just out of disrespect, I, I mispronounce it purposely just to, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you guys buy that one, right? No, it was quiet after that. He was met with silence. It was. It was like you were telling Ty France he looks 12 years old in his headshot. That was the same response. But he, I, I love that he just, you just want to punch him in the face. Here's the word niche. <laughs> so it's analytics people. It's not trying to be fancy. And other people that say niche. Trying that, to show off. That he wants to inflict a little pain on. Yeah, what was that commercial recently where the, the lady says, it's croissant. I was just in France. Oh, I didn't even see yeah. that one. It's like, yeah, just obnoxious. Mm. 
Mark Speaking would, of Mark wouldn't stand for any of that. Uh oh. What else do we have? Hey man? now. Oh. Oh no. Hey I was, now. I was talking about the show sheet, not you. I can make fun of you. You can't make fun of me. <laughs> oh, that's hi. not how this relationship works. <laughs> hi there, Mike Lefko. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, Lefko's not even here, and he's catching strays. Oh, Look at I that. hope he's not listening. <laughs> we also learned a wonderful story about our friend Paul Moyer. We were at the bowling alley where they have the uh, speed guns. So we're trying to, of course, outdo each other. I think it was like 22, 20. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. we, we did that at the Super Bowl as well. Yeah. And so Moyer was trying to throw it really hard. And for whatever reason, it the ball kind of stuck on his finger. And then he hit the lane. It, the lane is super slippery. It's oiled, yeah. Super and he just went, and the ball went <laughs> flying up in the air, pounded down on the on the lane, and then Paul was like horizontal, right horizontal like four feet off the ground, and just wham! I laughed so hard. There was oh some. God. There was a lady that came over there like ten minutes later, and she's like, "Oh my God, he's still laughing." That's, Could not stop. I was crying. I'm just picturing like. Fred Flintstone or something, or just some cartoon with feet up in the air, ball flying, landing in the middle of the lane, it, Paul on his back. It was just like a cartoon. Yeah. Did you he say, get hurt? Was he rolling around for a minute or did he pop back up? Oh, he. Paul's a proud, uh, he's a proud man. He, he got right back up. Like, no problem. Didn't hurt. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. And he'll tell you he's the toughest guy in the NFL. Oh, really? Yeah, because he played uh, part of a game with a crushed testicle. It's hard I, to argue I, with. I got to give him credit for that one. It's hard man. to argue with. <laughs> I've never experienced that, but I don't imagine I'd want to continue playing that game. What are you two so giddy about back there? Oh, it's a funny thing to imagine him playing with a crushed testicle. That's funny. Brady thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. Look at it's him. funny. I've never seen Brady I'm laugh juvenile. that hard. I think Tragic. that's funny. Look at Brady. I mean, I love, Painful. I love Paul. Paul's great, but you that know, is un- that is undeniably funny. But usually for guys, when you hear that, you go, oh. Ow, you don't burst into laughter. The pain is what makes it funny, Dave. Brady's crying. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> All at Paul's expense. Yeah. Poor Goodness. Paul. I feel bad for him now. <laughs> I just that visual of him just mean. feet up in the air, landing flat on his back is it was very cartoonish. <laughs> I, would, I would have been laughing as long as you were. Fantastic. <laughs> That's my favorite detail of that story. A lady had to come up to you. And yeah. be shocked that you were still laughing. And much like Brady probably is right now, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed for having laughed so hard over something that was pretty juvenile. What if he were rolling around in pain? Do you think he could have held the laughter in if he were like, my back? Like, he really got uh, hurt. Yeah, I probably would have been okay. You, okay. You I would hold it in. Kind of you turn around going, every once in a while. Are, are you okay? <laughs> Should I call somebody? Oh, if it like knocked him out or he started bleeding or something. like. Well, uh, yeah, that's different. But I could see him getting the wind knocked out of him. Yeah, I'd, I'd go over and help him. Probably unlike you, if you would have seen me fall off the treadmill. You would have just... Remember one time at uh, down at the, at the VMAC, there was a chair that didn't have a wheel on it, and I sat in it and fell over backwards. And so it was it was kind of funny. It was embarrassing. And everybody comes over there except Stoney. Larry Stone. Larry Stone comes over, and I'm, I put my hand up like he's going to give me a hand up. He pulls his camera out and takes a picture of me. <laughs> oh, what? Like, way to go, that Stoney. That cold. That was cold. That but is, it was also funny. That is cold. <laughs> Listen, I've seen him trip a time or three around there. He finally got sick of people giving him crap about right? it. Yeah. yeah. He walked by the set and I think Gross said something to him about tripping and 
there was a bleep you from Larry. <laughs> uh, what else did we learn? Well, Bob, we learned some shocking news about your brother today. <laughs> yeah, it's another way to sort of just bring out the best of what the NFL is all about. And the brother thing's always cool. I mean, you had a brother. I have a brother. I, I mean, still have one. Yeah. <laughs> you said had. I'm so- oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's still My there. Bad. By the way, I- I'm sorry to your brother. I'm getting a lot of condolences in here. <laughs> I was just talking about it like, yeah, you had a brother you, you used to play with, right? You yeah. know, remember back then? That <laughs> eh, still happens. Uh, he's, still, he's still with us. I, I love the 253 that said, Bob, my condolences to your brother. Outstanding guy. Everyone's favorite Stelton boy. Lots of love, LOL. <laughs> I like that. That's a solid ending to that. LOL, lots of love. Lots of love. That is a, one of the better stories I've heard. Maybe you need to tell it right now. Uh, uh, Once every month, maybe. Yeah, quickly, for those, for those that, that have never heard that, I was sitting next to a friend at a Mariner game who received a text from somebody. I don't remember what the bad news was, but I heard him like, oh, no. And then I see him texting back. I'm like, what's up? And he told me, I can't remember. And then I just happened to look over as he was responding, and I saw a capital LOL at the end of his text, and he sent it, and I said... What did, what did you just do? It sounded like bad news. And he goes, it was. And I said, well, why would you write LOL? And he goes, lots of love. And I said, no, no, no. That's not what that means. That means laugh out loud. And he was honestly perplexed. Like, really? I always thought that was lots of lace. I like, he, he I like how you're like, you're like, no, 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 no. Get your phone out and let's <laughs> yeah. get this right right now. I, I wish I could remember what the bad news was, but he was like, oh, no, which is why I even paid attention to begin with. I thought with. you said like somebody in his fa- somebody's family passed or I, something It like was that. bad. I can't remember yeah. what it was, but just happened to look back and he was, I saw the capital LOL yeah. that he was sending in response. Uh, yeah. Not good. Not That's good. Tough. Is that everything, Matt? That's everything. All right, everybody, that does it for us. I want to thank our guest today, Ryan Roland-Smith, Christian Capel, and, of course, Mark Schlereth. If you missed any of today's show, well, good news. It's available on the podcast page for you at seattlesports.com. Just click the podcast tab, click on our picture, and it's waiting for you there as it is each and every night after the show. Or just click subscribe, and you'll never have to think about it again. Totally up to you. Have a great night, everybody. We're back tomorrow with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710.